Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth and dwelt among us. What was his life like here on earth? How did the Savior live his final days before his crucifixion, a day that changed the world forever? Join us on the Struggles We Grow From podcast as we look at the life of Jesus. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Struggles We Grow From podcast. We're excited that you are here today as we have just been continuing the series, Jesus Going Through the Life of Jesus in the Book of John. And now we're in the middle of Holy Week, kind of talking about what Jesus's life was like during that week leading up to the cross. So I'm just ready to get into it. How about you? Yeah, so let's get into it. So the last time that we were here, you guys, we went through what happened on Tuesday. And again, on Wednesday, um, there's not really anything recorded, but we were speculating that Jesus was preparing for Thursday. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go through, and again, a lot of stuff that we can cover and talk about happened on Thursday. However, for time's sake, we can't go through it all. So I highly encourage you, when you scroll down into the description, all the things that happened on this day will be there, as well as scripture references um, to the different gospels. So, you know, dive in, read. Um, you know, one of our friends was saying that he was reading through the gospels and he's like, he couldn't stop. And he was just like read the whole book of John, like in one sitting. So I encourage you like to do that. So let's go through. So on Thursday, we have Peter and John um, sent to make preparation for the Passover meal. Um, And then after sunset, Jesus eats the meal with his 12 disciples. And he also has this beautiful moment of washing their feet. And then Judas departs. And we all know, you know, Mm -hmm. where Judas is going. Um, Dang it, Judas. (laughs) So then they have the Lord's Supper. Um, Judas, you ignorant slut. (laughs) So they're having the Lord's Supper. And that is something that we call now, you may hear the word communion. Um, And we'll probably get, we're going to talk more about that today. And then... They go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is, you know, just a really special yet hard yet beautiful moment to read, right? Mm. Because it's hard. Like, Jesus, you know, he's like, if there's any other way, God, like, you know, please, like, take this cup from me. But if there's not, like, I'm still going to do this. And so he has that moment with God, and he's in agony, really. Um, Yet he's going to do whatever he needs to do to to love his people. Mm -hmm. So then when they're in the garden, here comes Judas betraying Jesus and bringing um, the Sanhedrin. They are here to arrest Jesus. Um, They arrest him, and they take him to the house of the high priest, And also on this day, I'm telling you guys, there's so much. Then also on this day is when Peter betrays Jesus. So he didn't betray Jesus in the way that Judas did. Um, It was different. And basically he was asked, you know, you're one of Jesus' guys, right? Like, you know, Jesus, you're tight with Jesus. And he says, no. Yeah. 
And how many times does he say no? Three. Three times. So all of this is a lot. Um, and then I'm going to just really quickly, if you want to be, you can look in Matthew chapter 26, verse 1. Um, you can also look in Mark 14, verse 1, yeah. and Luke 22, verse 1. Um, look in those places for some of these things. Yeah, so. the book of Matthew covers all of it. Okay. So as we're wiping sweat. <laughs> it's in Florida, y'all. We hot. Golly, <laughs> this is this is what hell is like, Florida. And we're not in the panhandle. We we a little bit more. You know, we're we're saying that, and there's probably people in other countries where it's like way hotter. But anyway, sorry. There's like a fuzz on my microphone. Mm-hmm. That's been annoying me. There we go. We're fine. Yeah. So the book of Matthew really covers all of this. So from. Uh, Gethsemane to the denial of Peter to the betrayal of Judas, all of that is covered in Matthew 26. So I encourage you, if you have not read Matthew 26, it is a great time to read it as we kind of prepare for Easter Sunday, which is just, I don't know, two days away. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a really good glimpse of what Jesus' Thursday was like. Um, and we wanted to talk about a couple different things, not really in depth, but just kind of starting to begin the conversation. And I think one of the first things that we talked about is the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. and why that's so important. And I believe Matthew, I'm looking here at my Bible, instituting of the Lord's Supper happens in Matthew 26. So, I'll I'll read it for us this time. So now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Which is pretty cool. Like when you, that last little bit always gets me, is I won't drink of this fruit of the vine until I see you again. So wine was very prominent whether it's grape juice, whether it's real wine, new wine and old wine was very prominent because not only did you drink it uh, out of, you know, cultural context, but you also drank it because there wasn't a lot of clean water all the time. So it helped kill bacteria that was in your stomach. Even Paul writes, hey, don't partake in much wine, not cast it out completely because it has some benefits. But Jesus is literally saying, again, I'm not trying to debate a hermeneutic, or maybe I'm completely wrong, but this is kind of my surface level interpretation is, yo, I am giving up something so that the day where I get to partake in it with you, it's almost like breaking a fast. So if you've ever fasted before, that first meal or protein shake or whatever it is that you have after your fast, it's like, it's like a breath of fresh air. So I just thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And if you're like me and you grew up in a church, you know, no matter what it was, 
communion, the Lord's Supper is something that is very, very mm-hmm. special. And I remember growing up in the Baptist church, that you know, South Baptist type of church, um, very religious, you know, mm-hmm. very much, you know, you need to wear your best. You needed to to act a certain way and, and, and all of that, singing hymns, not very contemporary. When I was there, I think it is a little bit more now, but when I was there, it was not. And when we did the Lord's Supper at our church, the way it was done was our church had deacons. And so a bunch of men who were the deacons, they all sat in like the first three rows. And then in front of them was we had this long table that, and this table was always there right below like the pulpit, right below um, the stage. And the table was beautiful. Like it was wooden and it even had someone carved out of the wood, you know, like, um, give thanks to the Lord, something, some yeah. kind of verbiage, give glory to God or something for on it. And on that table, there were these women in our church and a way that they served is they starched and just ironed the heck out of these white sheets. <clears throat> I'm telling you, this was like, it was a big deal. So they had to make sure there were no creases in it whatsoever. Then we also had these silver, um, I don't really know. They were communion containers. Right. They were containers, but the way that they sat, they were silver. They were really nice and pretty, and they were stacked on top of each other. And then the top one had like a little cross or whatever. So on this table, you had these things stacked up. You had the crackers. You had the juice. You know, inside the juice ones, there was like these little holes, and it was like the little tiny cups with the grape juice. Mm -hmm. And so when it was time, all the deacons would stand up. They would all go to the front facing the pastor. The pastor would then, it's like this, this, you know, everyone's quiet. And like the pastors, he had to be the one to hand to all yeah. the deacons each thing. And then the deacons went throughout the church and they knew, like they had this whole mapped out, like I go to this aisle, you go to this aisle. They pass it down. So in my mind growing up, you know, and then, and then the pastor would read literally this from scripture, would read this, this is my body, you know, would yeah. read it. I didn't really know what I was doing and why I was doing it. In my mind, it was just like, oh, this special thing, and you have to follow a a certain order, and it has to be done a certain way. And I remember the first time I went to a different church, and it was like completely different. It was like you walk down the aisle, you take – there's a big loaf. Well, we can't do this now because of COVID, but, you know, I don't know, whatever. Maybe some churches do. But back then, it was like platter – a loaf of bread, you walked up, you pinched a piece of the bread. Then he also had a cup with juice or whatever. You dipped the bread in the juice and then you ate it and you went back to your chair. And I went to that and I remember going like, this is so strange. Like, what are we doing? But, you know, now looking at this, I can like, there's not... It's not about that. It's it's mm-hmm. when we're doing this, it's not about how you're doing it or strategizing, you know, what's going to be. It's it's not about this is a beautiful moment to fix your eyes. And, and you guys focusing is hard, like focusing on what you need to focus on is hard. So in this moment, it is hard, but you've got to. You know, I've got to ask the Spirit, help me to focus on what this truly means 
for my life. What this bread is symbolizing, what this juice is symbolizing, it's Jesus saying, I'm dying for you and my body's being broken for you so that you don't have to. Sorry, we have a child. Um, and they're showing us his Lego creation. Very cool, buddy. Um, so, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Um, so yeah, I got so caught up in how things were done and the structure and it had to be done this way or it couldn't be done at all. And it's really about your posture mm -hmm. and your heart and you thanking Jesus in that moment. Another thing that I want to point out too is it wasn't until later on, later in my tw my early 20s, that it was brought to my attention <laughs> um, from the pastor at that time that it's very important before you take communion to come before Jesus with a clear and pure heart. Mm. Um, and I had never known that. I, I knew of like, not the, I hate to say the word rule, but... Communion is something with a believer. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, mm. communion is for you. It's not for Bobby Joe that just came up off the street, you know, hey, this looks cool. I want to do this. This is a very special thing, mm -hmm. and it's only for believers. Um, and, you know, to think about coming before Jesus and confessing that you are a sinner. I'm not saying sit there and like, you got to go through the list of everything that you've done in the past week because we might be there all day, but <laughs> nor can we probably remember, but going through so that you have a clean and pure heart, like you're coming before Jesus in that moment. Mm. But I'm sure for you, like you didn't, grow up going to church regularly. And I was in like this one church my whole life from like when I was born till the time I graduated high school. And even when I came home from college, you know, th this was the church. It was just this one church that I grew up going to. So for you, it's different. Like you moved around a lot. You yeah. didn't really go regularly. So you might have a different take on like your first step into communion might have been, you know, different than mine, but. Yeah, probably my first real step into communion would have been at Troy Church. So Pastor Durant that you were talking about saying, hey, make sure oh, you check yeah. yourself before you wreck yourself with <laughs> communion. Yeah. Um, so for me, I didn't have a lot of the um, ritualism that a lot of churches have when it comes to communion because the way that just I encountered the gospel was just context of community. Like having people live differently than what the world said, and it was a community, that focused everything that I interpreted about the way that Jesus did communion was extremely relational. He didn't say, like, if the white linens were so important, it would say, and Jesus got out the white linens. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If it's important and to have the silver the dishes, <laughs> Jesus would say, and then he got out the silver dishes. Mm -hmm. And then we would have, if it's similar to the Ark of the Covenant, if those things were so important, 
there would be specific specifications on how it's done, when it's done, size, structure, all of those things, because our God loves that type of thing, but there's not. So that shows that the context in which communion is, is 100% relational, and the relational connector is Jesus. Even though these guys spent three years together, they're breaking bread at the same table, I guarantee some of them didn't like each other. There's human nature. I bet that there was conflict and tension and bickering and fighting. And we even see that within the Gospels. Mm -hmm. But the relational connector was Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I think communion take as much, not not fragrantly. So let me, let me take that back. But I think it's important to take communion often, even if it's at your house with your spouse. I think mm-hmm. that's okay. I think it would be good too to, you know, have other believers. I don't know if you have, you know, life group or mm-hmm. a community of people that you know um, are Christians, are believers in Jesus. Have them over. I mean, Jesus, like, this was not this super formal thing, which I think is what you're getting at. It's yep. super informal. They're just sitting at a table. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it wasn't as nice of the tables as we have today. You know, there was no carving. There was no, I'm sure it was even maybe dirty, and you know, in our standards. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just piece of bread. Let's break it together. Okay, here's this. And, like, and you know what I was thinking the other day is when we – Jesus was so relational. And that's really how he calls us to be. Like, that's what he means when he says make disciples. Like making disciples is just not like, here's an invite card to Sunday service. You know, you can come on yeah. and walk away. It's like, not attending a class. It's no, not any of those things. That's not, dis- discipleship is like, hey, I want you to be a part of my life. Let's live together. And I want to show you, like, let's live life together. Okay, there we go. And let's, <laughs> Not like live together. You know what I mean. Like, (laughs) for example, like Austin has had this Friday night group of guys for over a year now. It's this group of guys. They have a a text thread. They meet every Friday and they're just living life together. Like it's nothing formal. Like it's just sharing. But the thing that we don't like is we don't like to talk about that kind of stuff together. We want everything to be lighthearted and fun and like no serious conversation. And I bring this up to say a few Saturdays ago, we had our community over for like a potluck type thing. And we were, we were eating together, you know, we're having a good time. We're laughing. We're talking about things that we're not going to talk about on here. Um, <laughs> whatever. And the minute I felt led to just ask like, Hey guys, so how has this like 40 days been for you? Dead silence. Just Im- immediate. Why? Because we don't want to do that. But we're called to. Mm-hmm. We're called to have, and it's okay. Yeah. It's the same thing as like if you're a Christian, and some people are different, but majority of Christians, you know, they're 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 in a grocery store or something and there's a moment where you feel led to say something about your faith or you feel led to say something about Jesus and all of a sudden you get shy and you don't want to. Yeah. Because you're scared of what people are going to think in there or what people are going to say. And then like, what if you don't have a comeback for it? This is what Peter did. He was asked, do you know Jesus? Oh, no, 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 no. 
No, I don't. Yeah. That that wasn't me. You're you're confusing me with somebody else that just that looked like me. me. We don't want to. Yeah. And you know, and I think it, there are people that come to our church and say like, you know, we should do communion more often. And honestly, I agree with that. Like I think that we should. I don't think we do it enough. However, I mean, I don't make these decisions. However, can you you don't, what I'm saying, what you were saying is you don't have to fully rely on that. Yeah. Well, if I don't get communion here, then I don't get it any time and I don't get it enough. Well. There's nowhere <laughs> where it's like, hey, your pastor of the church has to give out communion and has to lead you through it. Mm-mm. And that's important, you know, being over online churches, like we have people who are in different states that are in different countries, that are on military bases, that are in different time zones, who are a part of our church now. They do not need me to fly to them to give them communion because they have the same mediator that I have to the Father, mm-hmm. and that's Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. The Spirit is there. And I, I've even seen, like, this is really special. I've seen families, and I can't remember might have been Matt Chandler, maybe, and his kids. But what they do is when their kids reach a certain age and they're taking that step into, like, manhood or womanhood, and they, when they make the decision to, like, believe in Jesus, they have, like, their community of friends, friends that are believers in Christ, everyone comes over to their house and they kind of have like a celebratory meal of like, you know, they're a believer in Jesus now. This is their step into either womanhood or manhood. And everyone lays hands on them, on the child and like prays for them. And they also like take communion together. Mm. All of the believers, you know, the younger kids, you know, they don't, but they are seeing it. And I think that is like, that is the coolest thing, Mm. you know? Um, but yeah, so if you ever, if you've ever had questions, like if you're on the outside looking in, you're not, and you're like, what is the Lord's Supper? What is communion? Why do they eat bread? Right. What, what is all of that? This is it. It's symbolism and it's a special time where you can, can focus and allow the Holy Spirit to, to work in you and through you. And just remembering like this was Jesus's body that was broken, that was beaten, but he did it for me. And this is, this drink is symbolizing the blood that had to be shed. Yeah. And it was Jesus's and not mine. Yeah. And it's a time of remembrance. And we've said it in lots of podcasts before is reminding yourself, preaching yourself the gospel every day. And that's mm-hmm. another way that's even more just special. Yeah. Um, cause you're using, you know, this, this symbolism. So yeah. it's the, it's the representation of Christ's body being broken and his blood being shed. So it's a remembering, it's a reminder of his death. So even today, as we're recording this podcast in the morning, we're going to turn around and we're going to get ready to go for, to a good Friday service and, you know, we'll take communion together as a church, reminding ourselves of the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled. Now, we're not going to get into, like, the theology of communion because I know some P 
people who say that they're Lutherans and they have really good theology and they believe something different about this. I have people who call themselves Reformed or Calvinists and they have really good theology, but they believe something about this. I've got really good Baptist friends. Like we have Baptist friends who have good, you know, theology about different things. And then this in particular, it seems to be a point of controversy. And, you know, one of the things that I always land on is we don't know everything by any means. I do not have a degree. I'm just a redneck from Alabama. <laughs> but I think that it's it's the in-between. So it's the, it's, yes, it's a symbol, but there's also something supernatural about it. It's a sacrament. So no, it doesn't save you. It does not add to your salvation, but partaking in it is a symbol. And it really does. It does something else. It's something supernatural because it's a spiritual partaking in which you mm-hmm. enjoy. So we'll end on, at least on the Lord's Supper for that one. And then just really quickly, we just wanted to talk about the Garden of Gethsemane. If you have not read this passage, it's Matthew 26, 36 through 46. And it is Jesus in the garden asking his friends, hey, can you stay up and pray with me so that you may not fall away? And then going and Jesus. And they go to sleep. I'd be the one sleeping. Trust me. <laughs> I said, I'd be the one sleeping. But, like, they go to sleep, and then Jesus just begins to cry out to the Father, being overwhelmed, not ang- anxious isn't the word, but just being overwhelmed at the reality of what is about to happen. Now, am I saying that Jesus was overwhelmed? No, my theology doesn't even handle that. But there is a, a pressure in which there's such emotional angst and distress and complications. And this is a medical condition. There's been research done on it to where the capillaries in your skin will begin to burst and you'll bleed and you'll sweat out like a blood and water mixture. And that's what we see Jesus happening. Or that's what we see happening to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is Man, his body, his emotions, his body is just praying, but his emotions are under extreme distress, and he begins to cry out for the Father, hey, if there's any other way, let it be, but if not, even so, I'll do it. Yeah, and I can read just, I know this is like a lot of scripture here. So, you know, like he said, he's just saying like, you guys, he tells the disciples, you guys sit over here while I go over there and pray. Um And he actually takes with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Um, And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? (laughs) Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm. How many times have we felt like that in our spirit? Like, oh, we want to do this. 
and then our flesh is just weak about it. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Mm. So I, I want to encourage you, just as Jesus, you know, got on his face before the father and I encourage you to do that. Um, there's something special about, you know, your own private time with the Father, with God, you know, in the privacy of your home or just somewhere secluded by yourself. I began to do that a few years ago, like have, you know, just a worship song playing and literally it just laid out a blanket, got on my face before the Father and praying. And it's just something supernatural. It's it's beautiful. And um like we see Jesus doing that here, like he's vulnerable. Mm. Um, he's open up. He's not hiding at all um, or trying to, you know, what would we do? Like sometimes we think like, oh, we've got to be like, we've just got to toughen up and we just got to do it and yeah. put on a brave face. And like a lot of men out there, like we don't need to show our emotions. And that's not what Jesus did here. Mm-hmm. He's open, he's honest, he's vulnerable, and he's even letting, you know, even though they went to sleep, he's allowing, you know, these disciples to see him that way. Yeah. So, yeah. Read Matthew 26 in your own time today. I thought you were telling me to. I was like, oh, that's a lot. We're going to be here for about 15 more. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No. But yeah, but read all of Matthew 26. It goes through, through all of this, and it's just beautiful like go somewhere i know if you have children okay that doesn't have to be excuse as to why you can't you can read little jokes here yeah. and there um read it with them but just encourage you get in matthew 26 today we love you guys so much um and join us back for our next episode we're going to talk about why is good friday good mm. see ya.